Support for this podcast and the following message come from Coriant. Coriant provides wealth management services centered around you. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Coriant has experienced teams who can craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex. Real wealth requires real solutions. Connect with a wealth advisor today at Coriant.com. That's Coriant.com. Welcome to the Financial Times Big Read, a weekly podcast featuring the best of our long-form reporting from around the world. I'm Anna Dedder from the Comment and Analysis Desk. Fear and paranoia are rife in France, as the dispute that erupted in August over the ban of the Burkini by dozens of mayors highlights the split between a hardline view of secularism and a more liberal one, says Anne-Sylvain Chassigny. In the wake of the deadly Islamist terror attacks, the debate over religious beliefs and apparel, and especially their airing in public spaces, has become central to the question of national identity, says Anne-Sylvain. In the summer of 1905, the Catholic cassock and whether to ban wearing it in the streets sparked a passionate debate in France. For Charles Chabert, a left-wing MP, the black ankle-length garb was not just an affront to modernity, but a reminder of the threat the monarchist Catholic Church posed to the secular republic that he and his colleagues sought to consolidate with a bill enforcing a strict separation of state and religion. Some priests would find it hard to part with a garment, he conceded, but others, quote, the most clever, the most educated, would welcome the ban as liberation. Conjuring up an imaginary cleric, shy and buttoned up, Chabert added, Look at him, the garb makes him a prisoner of his own ignorance. Of this slave, let's make a man. Aristide Briand, author of the separation bill, disagreed. By policing garments, the state would be perceived as intolerant, and even worse, the subject of ridicule, he quipped. Fast forward 111 years, France is again debating religious garb, this time the Burkini. The dispute that erupted in August, when 30 mayors banned the full-length Islamic swimwear, has laid bare the old fracture between a hardline vision of secularism and a more liberal one, and once again threatens to tear apart a country still reeling from Islamist terror attacks. Fear and paranoia have galvanized Chabert's political hairs, said Sudhir Hazari Singh, professor at Oxford and a specialist in French intellectual movements. The visions of laïcité, or secularism, is one that seeks to regulate religions. It's characterized by anti-clericalism, Mr. Hazari Singh says. They aim to shape a republican identity. They regard religious beliefs as inferior thinking and a form of uh, alienation. As in 1905, when they lost the argument on the Soutane, those hardline secularists have suffered a setback on the Burkini. France's highest administrative court overturned the ban issued by Villeneuve-Loubet, a small town on the Riviera, setting a precedent for other local mayors who had taken similar action. The obligation of neutrality applies to the state, not to citizens, who can express their religious belief, the Conseil d'État said. Yet, with presidential elections next year, and polls suggesting a strong showing by the far-right National Front, 
The debate has hit a nerve in a country grappling with homegrown jihadism and a sense of economic and cultural decline. The Burkina Hero has revived the animosity over the wearing of the Islamic headscarf or hijab and brought back into focus the deprived, unemployment-stricken suburbs or banlieues, where many of those involved in recent Islamist attacks were raised. Islam and France's estimated 5 million Muslims, one of the largest populations in Europe and predominantly from former colonies in North Africa, have become central to the question of French identity. Centuries of greatness long gone has created a sense of nostalgia, says Jérôme Bobéro, a historian specializing in French secularism, and who is among those who support Mr. Briand's liberal legacy. For some, Islam has become a scapegoat for all our troubles. The backlash, however, goes beyond simple xenophobia. It is rooted in a long-standing suspicion of religions, underpinned by the idea that faith is a private matter restricted to the home and places of worship. This sets French secularism apart from that of the US or the UK, according to Olivier Roy, professor at the European University Institutes in Florence and a specialist on Islam. In America, separation was designed to free religion from state interference, whereas in France, Separation has evolved to exclude religion from public space and to promote the supremacy of the state over religious organizations, Mr. Roy explains. For the French, integration means shedding one's religious belief, or at least toning them down. That's why they have a hard time understanding that some Muslims, including a growing, well-integrated middle class, may want to express their faith for reasons other than discrimination or religious extremism, Mr. Roy adds. France banned the hijab in state schools in 2004 and six years later, officially for security reasons, prohibited the face-covering niqab in public spaces. Until now, a French fixation, the debate is spreading. Germany is pondering whether to issue a similar niqab ban after an unprecedented inflow of refugees from war-torn Syria in the past 18 months. But in France, there are now calls for more radical action. Nicolas Sarkozy the former leader vying to win the center-right presidential nomination in November, as he beats to return to power, wants to ban the veil in universities and the workplace. Islam, he said, has not done the work to integrate and is threatening the French way of life. He is tacking to a resurgent FN, whose party leader Marine Le Pen wants to extend the hijab ban to all public places. There are similar echoes on the left, rooted in entrenched anti-clericalism and a blend of feminism inspired by Simone de Beauvoir's fight against Catholic tradition. The burkini and the veil are symbols of the enslavement of women, Manuel Valls, the socialist prime minister, said last month. As Briand did in 1905, other politicians disagree with these views. But in a society where atheists are expected to outnumber all other groups by 2050, according to the Pew Research Center, this is a widely shared view. Nearly two-thirds of the French oppose the wearing of the hijab in the streets or the bokini on beaches, according to an IFOP survey. Among them, Patrick and Claudine, a couple from Nice who declined to give their surnames, firmly believe that religion is for the home. They have no sympathy for the FN, which attracted more than a third of the votes in recent elections in the Nice region, but do support the center-right mayor's burkini ban. 
Religion is not something one should display, says Claudine, a 59-year-old retired secretary. Religions have always caused trouble. Living a few meters from the promenade des Anglais, the seafront where a Tunisian truck driver killed 86 Bastille Day celebrants in July, including many Muslims, they say the massacre for which ISIS claimed responsibility has left them with questions over the loyalty of the Muslim community. We didn't feel a strong reaction on their part, Patrick says. In the nearby town of Villeneuve-Loubet, Elizabeth, a 56-year-old topless beach-goer, is more explicit. They, the Muslims, want to impose their way of life. If they want to settle here, then they should do as we do. Muslim groups argue the bans are a visible sign of the mounting Islamophobia in France. Laïcité, they argue, has become the respectable excuse. More than 429 anti-Muslims act, everything from insults to physical attacks on people and property, were reported last year, a threefold increase on 2014, according to the government. And Ella Pai, who describes herself as a Muslim feminist and an anti-racist activist, believes the Burkini bans are a manifestation of the sexist and colonial attitude of the French establishment. We are told that to be free, we need to undress. And by whom? By white mayors and white feminists stuck in the 1970s, she says. Muslim women in France are ostracized, she says. They can't go to schools, they can't go to work, they can't go to the beach or the swimming pool. The French are worse than the Saudis. Other female Muslims disagree. Nadia Oultkassi and Nadia Benmissi residents of Aubervilliers, a suburb in northern Paris, say that Islamic fundamentalists are trying to impose their rule on the area. It has become difficult to walk, shop or go to restaurants for women who, like them, choose not to wear the hijab, they say. It's not just teenagers or converts who wear the hijab now. There is an increasing number of young girls all covered up, Mrs. Benmissi says. The 62-year-old was born in Algeria, where she did not wear the hijab. Yet, in Aubervilliers, she gets daily intrusive remarks. Last time I was shopping, a man looked into my bag and he said, This is not halal. There's always someone to remind you that you're not a good Muslim here. The hijab is not just a piece of cloth, she insists. We talk a lot about freedom, but what about gender equality? Why is this not as important? The veil symbolizes the unequal status of women, Mrs. Benmissi says. In Sevran, northeast of Paris, Nadia Remadna, a French-born social worker with fiery eyes and a loud laugh, fumes about Muslim feminists like Mrs. Pai. These women think that progress is when they can pray behind the men instead of in the basement, she says. When she was 15, her father took her back to his hometown in Algeria. For 10 years, Mrs. Remadna stopped going to school and was forced to stay home until she fled back to France. So when one evening she saw her son removing pictures of her from the family album because he found them immodest, she started fretting. 
Later, she overheard an older boy rebuking a younger one at her son's high school because he had not seen him at the mosque the night before. She fell off her chair, she says, when she realized the older boy was not a student, but a supervisor employed by the state. You entrust the state with your children. You think they are protected from religion in state schools. And this happens, she says. Laicité is not enforced in the banlieue. Local politicians strike deals with local Salafists, followers of an ultra-conservative movement within Sunni Islam, to get votes and maintain public order in the banlieue, she says. The state has let us down. The emergence of the past three decades of the hijab in the banlieue has coincided with increasing religious conservatism and gender segregation, according to scholars. Research by Gilles Kepel, professor at Sciences Po and a specialist on Islam terror groups, shows that the influence of Salafist movements has grown in these areas in the past 20 years, especially among second-generation immigrants. It has, says Mr. Kepel, provided fertile ground for Islamist extremism. Field work by Jennifer Selby, a Canadian scholar in Le Petit Nanterre, a poor district west of Paris, underlines the growing influence of religion on daily life. The women stay home, and men, many of whom are unemployed, spend their time monitoring the whereabouts of female residents. Those neighborhoods are increasingly populated by Muslim families who grapple with high unemployment, discrimination, and oppressive panoptic architecture, towers that allow someone to observe everyone without being seen, says Mrs. Selby. The government has poured 40 billion euros into renovation over four decades, but unemployment is still higher than the 10% national average, and the estates are plagued by crime. Ghettoization is a huge issue. Salafists are filling a void left by the state, says Professor Wah. But this problem is not going to be solved by policing the hijab. More regulation of conspicuous religious signs would only be counterproductive, Mr. Bobiru argues. Should we consider all the Muslims as enemies of the Republic, at the risk of stigmatizing them, Mr. Bobiru asks. In 1905, the decision was to try and include the vast majority of Catholics, and it worked. With time, they embraced the Republic. And on the eve of the First World War, France was united, he says. We are wrong to forget the lessons of history. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Coriant. Coriant provides wealth management services centered around you. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Coriant has experienced teams who can craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex. Real wealth requires real solutions. Connect with a wealth advisor today at Coriant.com. That's Coriant.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Street. 